You are listening to the Phoenix Podcast with UK life and wellbeing coach Zoe Thompson. Meaningful and light-hearted conversations packed with hints, tips and advice to help you live the life that you want with confidence. Like, subscribe, share and make sure you stay tuned to create the tomorrow you want while learning to love your today. Okay, so this is, the, thanks for coming on and doing the first one. Um, so this, this, this is the first one. So I don't really have any expectations about what's going to happen. But the idea is, um, obviously, I will let people know who you are and what you do can probably come up in conversation or will probably come up in conversation. But what I wanted to do was something a bit different. So I keep getting asked about doing a podcast and you know I like chatting and I like chatting to people but there's quite a lot of there's quite a lot of work involved in a podcast so what I thought was we could do some Facebook lives but with a bit of a twist to make it a little bit different and you know I like to to put a little bit of a spin on stuff so I thought what we could do is um, invite some people in so in with Phoenix I have a theme every month and so the theme this month is communication which I know is right up your street Um, and I thought what we could do is we can come in we could talk about communication but to put a bit of a spin on it I don't get to know the questions in advance so you get to ask me the questions so whether you've got five questions on communication or one question on communication and then just four really random ones (laughs) <laughs> that face has made me a little bit nervous now. <laughs> so I don't know what you're going to ask me. Um, so it's a bit of an opportunity for people who follow the page to maybe get to know me a little bit better. And I get to sit and drink tea and get put on the spot and cool. see what happens. So you are a professional facilitator. I am. Under the name of Jewel Facilitation. Yep. So what's a, what's a facilitator? Let's, I'll drill you with one or two questions first and then okay. we'll pay back. Well, I can definitely answer that question. Uh, so a facilitator is someone who works with a group of people to basically hold space, help them have a creative, productive discussion. And it's commonly, well, the kind of facilitation I do means we do things like create strategic plans and set goals. And it's all about sort of helping everybody work together get involved everybody have an equal voice you know stopping the shouty people and making sure the quieter people get involved that kind of thing so yeah that's cool but it's not coaching is it it's not group coaching no and it's not training either so I guess a coach tends to or in my mind at least tends to work more with a kind of individual goals possibly in a group I would often and this is not exclusively but often I'll work with the group to help them to collaborate on something so that's one thing Um, and it's different from training in the sense that I don't introduce any content so I'm content neutral as in I don't uh you know, share my expect expertise in anything. I just help them to come up with ideas or bring their own ideas, bring some content into the room, and then I help them kind of untangle it and come up with something in the end. And so you've got no buy-in of what their outcome is. You just want them to have an outcome that works for them and get them into agreement, but you, you've got no bias or kind of yeah. you're not involved in what they're doing. So it's a yeah. completely objective person yeah. in the room. 
So I am a member of the International Association of Facilitators and we have all these kind of um, code of conduct, code of ethics values that we get. And one of the core ones, I suppose, is to to be neutral. So you don't um, say, oh, that's a really good idea, but I don't like it. Or that's a daft thing to say. You know, it, the idea is you help everybody contribute and, you know, they'll decide whether it's the thing, you know, you might help people to prioritise something, for example. It's not up to me to decide whether that's a good idea or a bad idea or something that's, you know, a good decision or whatever. It's up to them. So, yes. Very cool. And, and your mean flip chart. I've seen your flip charts. I love your drawings and your images on your flip charts. So I don't think you can't have a workshop or a team meeting without without a good flip chart, I reckon. I do like a good flip chart. Sadly, underused at the moment, but um, I have I've been using it with my kids actually. But I've I've been working more with digital whiteboards at the moment, so I've got something else to keep me happy. (laughs) So what? what's um what's better or what's easier facilitating or homeschooling oh facilitating easily (laughs) i know what i'm doing (laughs) i've got not a clue when i'm homeschooling and also i've got one in secondary and one in primary so it's a bit like you know kind of muddle along really no no much much prefer facilitating any day so yes Oh, brilliant. It's all fine. Uh, yeah, I'm quite grateful that I haven't had to, um, had to do that. So, do you want to hit me? So, your first question should be on the theme of communication. After that, oh, I just got a notebook and everything. After that, you've got four questions of your. Be kind. This is the first one. Okay. okay. So, I've got them written down here, you see, my little black book. My, my first question is about okay. communication. The others okay. are a little bit random. Okay, so thinking about the last few months and all the stuff that's been going on, I kind of don't even know if I want to use the word pandemic, but anyway, um, how do you think uh, the situation has affected the way we communicate? So I don't mean so much on a functional level using whatever zoom or not zoom i mean more on a a kind of um thinking about the types of things we talk about the quality the depth of discussions because as a facilitator it's something that really fascinates me so Mm. i just wonder what your thoughts are where on that so you mean terms like in terms of content of conversation what what people are talking about rather than how they're using different forms to communicate Um, A bit of content, but also I'm thinking about um, sort of how we communicate with each other. But I don't mean on a, you know, I don't mean Zoom versus face to face, for example. I mean, kind of, um, for example, I've noticed that if I see someone on the street, I'm a bit like, whoa, person. (laughs) 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 I normally wouldn't do um and whereas uh i think that the way the kinds of things we say the quantity of com- communication has changed uh-huh. somehow and i just yeah wondered what your thoughts were on that so i think it's one of those things for me has been that we've all got something in common to talk about so i think that's probably one of the key things is that it has heavily dominated every conversation and even when you try and avoid talking about it it still comes up in 
in in some way in that conversation because it's changing our day-to-day -day schedules and it's changing the way that we're living and we've had that kind of period of uncertainty and then we've kind of started to get into a bit of a routine and now we're like, okay that bit of uncertainty again of can we do this now can we not do that now like where are we heading with it so i think i've definitely noticed that it's brought that commonality of we've all got that we were all experiencing the same thing we're all experiencing it in different ways so i'm hearing a lot more people sort of showing a bit more interest in people's lives and how it's affected them so you know we I, and I, I guess especially with business conversations you wouldn't normally ask about how are your children getting on with homeschool you wouldn't normally ask about how people's children are getting on in school or you wouldn't normally ask what is it you're missing or you know what have you done differently so I think the kind of depth of conversations have changed a little bit so I think we're finding out more about individuals and what's important to them and what how they've been impacted I think there's um, I think it would be fair to say there's been a fair amount of judgment of you know people making um, making some judgment over how the choices that people have made and why they've made them or how they've made them so I think yeah. that's been really interesting in seeing people's values come forward and seeing how people are and, and, and I don't mean necessarily with you know with malice a judgment with malice but more just that kind of oh well so and so's doing this or oh, I don't think I could do that and even now as things are starting to open you know there's almost that general that genuine interest of who's choosing to go and take advantage of things being open and who's still very much now I'm going to to stay here and I'm going to wait until things have settled down a little bit I'll let you you guys do all the do the firsts and then I'll, I'll wait until things have settled down so I think there's definitely been more interest in people's personal lives mm. a little bit more part of the questions we would normally make as sort of polite British conversations so I think there's been a bit more interest in that and then I think that 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 the values people's values have definitely come through in different ways and I think that probably where the judgment is even like I said it's not a malice judgment it's not a, a negative or you know although you have seen it um, but I think for most people it's just that genuine oh I'm not sure I could do that or I'm not sure I would do that at the moment so yeah definitely changing and I think even when you have those conversations of okay we're not going to talk about that today this is going to be a covid free conversation the impact of COVID still comes up in that conversation because it is having so much of an impact across so many elements of everyday life and business and work and children and and all the rest of it so I mean is that is that what you're are you noticing similar or is yeah is that the no. kind of thing that you were thinking about yeah definitely and I think for example um some of the workshops I've done I've had to leave a, a bigger gap at the beginning because people often have something that they need to kind of set they need to maybe say how they are they need that chance to to talk about what's going on in their lives which which doesn't in my experience anyway happen quite so much in workshops and I think it's that kind of somehow our communication has been curtailed or squashed or changed in in, in a way that means sometimes as soon as we get that kind of opportunity we're a bit like blah, 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 let's just you know and, and because as you're saying it, it kind of impacts 
everything about what we're doing at the moment and we can't kind mm. of leave it to one side even if we're not talking about covid we, it, it does impact us and i think people need that little bit of more i don't know that kind of human element to to be injected into into whatever situation it is just to give people that kind of mm. yeah opportunity yeah so but i find it quite interesting to to see you know, i've just observed it in a few places i, th I think i think people's yeah, I think people's interactions have changed as well. So you've got, you haven't got people going out to work. You've got people working from home and then you've possibly got partners working from home. So I think where you would have had that sort of free, very sort of clear boundaries of this is work time, this is my time in, with my work hat on, this is my time with my parent hat on, yeah. this is my time with my partner hat on, and this is my me time, There's those boundaries have completely changed. So I I think it's almost people are trying to step into that change of communication to almost put themselves I'm in work mode, yeah. Zoom call, work mode, you know, don't just and just almost putting that hat physically mentally putting the hat on because they're not getting into a car and driving to work and switching that state. So it's mm. like one conversation as a parent, two mm. seconds later you're focusing on a Zoom call and in, and in work mode so I think it's watching people in that first couple of minutes of just settling into the space that they're now in rather than the space that they were in two seconds ago so I think I wonder whether that's yeah maybe part of it yeah definitely no that's really interesting it's actually. definitely I've got uh, that leads me perhaps mm -hmm. into my quest another question <laughs> I'm to move on to another question and I haven't seen these questions I promise so this is actually question number four in my list of questions but I feel like it's related to what we're talking okay. about I'm going to go into question number four okay so, so this is about um so about the fact that for me and for a lot of other people at the moment my brain's a bit fried with this whole homeschool work home admin whatever you want to call it juggle and I recognize that some of this for me is about a bit of a loss of identity of you know normally I am you know dual facilitation mm -hmm. business owner facilitator etc etc and now I've been thrown into this whole different lifestyle and I was just wondering what advice you would give me and loads of other people like me who are having this kind of I guess like identity crisis brain fry at the moment <laughs> Mm. Yeah, I, I think it's that that I, certainly people that I have spoken to, people that I've been working with, that resetting those boundaries has been quite a challenge for people that it's all now under one roof. Mm. And then I think as times change and we start to move into um, move into the new normal, and I've used the word new normal for, for since day one, and now everybody's using it, and the new normal. <laughs> so I feel like you're a trendsetter. I can't say it without doing this, and it, it, I'm annoying myself when I do it. But I think as we start to move, and we start to move into what is coming into the future, there's an opportunity to really reset the boundaries, and I think we've all been given. An opportunity some people have used it quite consciously and some people it's the, the decisions have probably been made for them because they haven't really sat down and, and thought 
all through, which, you know, different people deal with things in different ways. But I think I'm certainly hearing and seeing a lot of people now that are looking at, okay, what has what has lockdown looked like? What did I enjoy about it? You know, it might, some people have really enjoyed having all of the hats on during the day and being able to multitask and, and make it all work and be at home and others are desperate to go back into an environment where there's a very clear walk through the door. This is Helen from Jewel Facilitation. This is what I'm here to do. And then when that's done, back in the car and then, or back on your bike and then kind of cycle home, debrief in your head, walk through the door and go, mum's home. And so some people have really enjoyed that fuzzy boundary and some people are like okay no I, I need to put those boundaries back in place so I think it's been really interesting of and I think it will be even more interesting moving forward of how people will start to have those conversations with either their employers or their bosses of you know people who've quite enjoyed not having to commute being at home being able to multitask and do all of the things all of the time or you know certainly having some set time periods in, in their home um, and how they want to hold on to that going back into work. And then there's going to be people that will be in the desk next to them that don't want to work from home. They don't want to work flexible hours. They like the routine and they like that certainty of I need to be here at this time, wearing these kind of clothes, having these kind of conversations, doing this kind of work. And then I will go home and be parent partner. Yeah. That's interesting. So yeah, I guess setting boundaries. I think for me, I'm the definitely in the I need some boundaries camp. And and I think mm -hmm. a lot of people I know, I, I don't think I've spoken to many people who've enjoyed the lockdown. Mostly, um, it's a lot of people I've spoken to who are, who are parents of younger children, and they're sort of struggling to, to manage that sort of one minute, as you were saying earlier, one minute, you're, you know, talking about, I don't know, Minecraft and, and whatever <laughs> science quizzes. And the next minute, you're talking about, you know, uh, facilitating a workshop or I don't know doing social media posts and it's that I, I guess yeah maybe it's blocking it off I think maybe that's a and I, I think it. some people have been able to do that I, and I do think it does depend very much on the age of your children as well and also the home situation of who else is there to help divide that workload and divide that time up so I think people have tried to put some boundaries in place but I think you know three and five year olds that they they don't respect your boundaries then I want I want a, you know I want squash and biscuit now I don't <laughs> I don't care that you are live on BBC news this is I I want your attention and I and I want it now so we've I think you know you've seen people try to set those boundaries and try to set that clear space but you know let's face it ch children just no. they got their own schedule haven't they yeah, they have. It's usually around not, not the same as ours. No, definitely. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. Okay, next question. You ready for my next one? Yeah, I'll go for it. So this is also, these are in a different order to uh, which I wrote them, but actually I think this kind of follows on a little bit. So this, this one's about planning, because I know, because we've known each other for quite a while, that you are really good at sticking to plans that you make. So... Um, and as a facilitator, I help groups, you know, create strategic plans, set goals and do all kinds of lovely planning and next steps and, and you know, really kind of set objectives and do that really nicely. And then coming to me 
And actually my own plans, I'm not too bad at setting the plans for myself, but actually following them through, I am not very good at. So what, mm-hmm. um, yeah, what, what do you do that I should be doing? <laughs> and other people, I know there's plenty of people like me who like, you know, creating lovely plans, oh, okay. but I'm not very good at following them through. So I don't, I don't know how wide, I don't know how wide this screen is, but yeah, can you see if I, if I, yeah, I turn the camera, Slightly, can you see brown paper and post it? So I that's my that is my level of planning. Um, so yeah, I, I've, and I've just I've just planned the next three months, so that's why there's there's lots on there. So essentially, that's my uh, a 12 week to do list, but it's down on notes. So, with for for now, I'll, I'll talk about what I do. Um, Obviously, when I'm working with people and we're goal setting and planning, we work to what works for them. But in in general, um, so what I do is I start start with the end in mind. So I look at where I'm I'm trying to get to, um, and what I the first thing that I do is start to look at the milestone. So what are my key dates where I've got to deliver things at certain times, and then I'll track back from that um, with my post-it notes what I've got on them is one task per post-it note. And so these are in um, columns of months, but then in rows of weeks. So I can look at what I need to achieve by when, by setting it out into the weeks beforehand. So um, if, say for example, I need to create some, deliver something by the end of the month, then I will chunk it down into small tasks and then I will divide those out across the weeks. And then when I look at my week, so I will take the row and I'm like, right, okay, that's that's what I need to do this week. And then I will look at my calendar and I'll look to see what pockets of time I've got that I can put those into. So some of the tasks will, well, I try not to make any tasks longer than two hours because my attention span doesn't stretch much further than that so reason why I keep it in two hour time slots but also if something comes up a two hour time slot is a lot easier to reschedule than a half day time slot so I put it down into anything that takes longer than two hours I chunk it down again into another I break it just keep breaking it down into smaller tasks so then when I look at my week I can look at my days look at clients workshops meetings and then I can see where my gaps of time are. And then I can look, see, right, okay, I can do that one in there, that one in there, that one in there, and I can spread it out across the week. So I start with the quarter, break it down into the months, break it down into the weeks, and then look at my days. So that's how I plan. And I think as a general principle, that works for a lot of people, then when you get into the detail of how you make that work and how you commit to it or show up to it and how you balance that in with other priorities, that's a very individual thing. Um, I did a goal setting check-in workshop last weekend. And one of the things that came up quite a bit in that in that workshop was the um, what the, um, the crossover of 
emotional investment of how important it is to you versus the um, energy that you need to invest in making it happen. So if you think you've got a high emotional involvement, so it's something that's really, really important to you that you want to make happen, but because you've got two young children and you're homeschooling and you've got your work to do and your partner's got work to do, the amount of energy physical or mental energy you've got to invest in it right now is is dropped so if you think about co during covid there's lots of things that people would have set at the beginning of the year new year's resolutions or goals that they would have had high emotional investment in it was something that was really important to them that they wanted to make happen and it might still be that they've still got that high emotional investment but because of COVID and changes in this, in situation circumstances, the amount of energy that they can invest into it right now has dropped. Mm. So you've got that conflict of really, really, really wanting to make it happen. Even if you had all of the will and, you know, all the will in the world, you, you, you just can't make it happen. And so then you get that rubber frustration. So sometimes just taking that step back and saying, okay, how important is it? realistically what time have I got how much energy have I got mm. what can I do to make this happen over what period of time do I need to stretch it you know as, as they'd say in project management do you move, move it move the timeline to the right and give yourself a little bit longer or do you recognize that actually there are other things that need your emotional investment right now and just ease off on that a little bit so quite often that's the conflict in making it happen so I think there's probably a two-part answer to your question and there's the planning and the preparation and then there's the perseverance to actually get it done and maybe you know the some of the challenges of even when you want to show up of the reality of being able to show up that's really interesting actually yeah that, that, that makes total sense to me and I think interestingly the chunking idea I've probably, although overall recently I've got uh, less done, I've actually probably been more productive because because I've had to, you know, I've had to grab two hours mm -hmm. here and an hour there. And so I've probably been more productive because I've not had a whole day in which I've crammed lots of ideas. But, um, I'm, I'm also that whole kind of frustration and emotional investment. I think that that really makes sense to me. So, yeah. OK, <laughs> I, I totally understand that. And you, what, what you can do is like put it into, um, you, you know, the I, I don't the grid would have will have a name, but I'm, I'm not quite sure what it is. But you'd have the, the horizontal, the vertical line and a horizontal line. So you'd have the emotional investment on one line and the uh, the energy on the other yeah. and then you you've got two highs you know high high emotional involvement but low energy and you'd put one in each square mm. so the exercise that I did with Sunday was okay where is it now and if you were to move it into one of those other squares so reduce or increase in different ways and it sat in a different square how might that feel different and how might that actually help you to keep moving things forward even if it's a slower pace or yeah. on a different schedule how does it help you to keep maybe a slightly different momentum but it does help you to keep moving it forward mm, I like that that's really similar to a tool I use which is the impact effort matrix and I think it's the same kind of thing so yes. yeah okay yeah. I'm taking that tip. that does sound very similar 
I like it. <laughs> okay. This is all very interesting. How long have we got? Um, right. Next question. Ahem. Uh, this one's about change. Okay. Uh, so we're all going through significant, okay. um, quite dramatic kind of transition and change at the moment. Um, what kinds of things do you think we, I mean, maybe we've touched on some of this already, but what kinds of things do you think um, will help us to kind of keep stable and not sort of fall over in this mm -hmm. feels like a kind of wave or a washing machine somehow like we're in this quite still quite a turbulent time <laughs> yeah so what what's the what how what, do you what's the question how do people what do you think um so from your experience and from all the amazing stuff that you know about as a coach what what do you think will help helps us to kind of stay stable in the sort of turbulence i suppose mm -hmm. So I'm not, I, I, so the thing that's coming up, coming through in my mind is the circle of control and the circle of influence. And I, I, I think that for me would be the place to start. So draw a big circle and write in there all of the things that are absolutely in your control right now, because let's face it, there's a huge amount of stuff that is not in our control at all. Um, start with a circle of what is in your control and just list everything off, everything that impacts you and the important people in your world and list off all of the things that you can control. And then an outside circle around that and start to list off things that are not in your control, but you can influence. So you've got some say over it, although it's not 100% in your control. Anything that doesn't exist in those two circles, you, you've got to park it. You've got to put it to one side. Mm -hmm. There may be a time where that changes and it will move into the circle of influence or it moves into the circle of control. When it appears in those, then you can give it your energy. But until then, you have you kind of have to say, not in my control not in my power it gets put in the box on the shelf until something changes if you focus your energy primarily into that circle of control you feel more in control because you're putting your energy into things that you can change into things that you can manage into things that you can control rather than throwing lots of energy into something that is probably not going to have any impact at all. So I'd say for most people at this stage, if you're really in that state of chaos, that's probably a good place to start is circle of control, circle of influence, and then just work out what that looks like. Um, and with, if you look at the change curve, you're looking at where you want to move into, but ultimately what that looks like at the moment on a grand scale, so you know, a, a world scale, mm. we don't know what that's going to look like. Mm. But what we can do is control what we can control in the here and now, and we can start to think about what we want in our own little worlds. But ultimately, there's lots of things that haven't yet been decided that we don't know what the timeline will be. There's lots of things that we can't. We haven't got that information to feed into knowing whether or not it's a possibility or whether it's never going to happen. So for now, it's for, I would say for a lot of people, it's just focus on what's in your control. Look at what's in that circle of influence that you can start to think about 
and go from go from there. But anything that doesn't appear in those two circles, it's got to go in the box on the shelf until mm. until something is until Boris appears and tells you something different, and then <laughs> then you can then you might be able to move it in. But there's lot there's lots of things out there that even the people who make that decision they don't know yet so yeah. for us little people at the bottom of the at the bottom of the ladder there's we're worrying about something that the people who are going to make that decision aren't worrying about yet so it's mm. just that balance of where do you put your energy and attention that's really interesting and the idea of chaos as well I think and I guess maybe our circle of control or what's what are able to put in there is sort of increasing over yeah. time. When I, you mentioned chaos, I think, oh, three months ago, mm-hmm. I felt like I was in massive chaos. And probably then, from what you're saying, my circle of control was like a pinhead. And now it feels like it's much, yeah. much better, I guess. Would that be the sort of way it yeah. goes, I guess? Yeah. I'm not, when when I hear the word chaos, I, I see the picture of like a, a big wave and you can either ride the wave and control how you ride the wave or you can try and control the wave itself. And ultimately, we can't control the wave itself, but we know that the wave is going to end up on the beach. So it's just focusing on keeping your balance on the top of the wave. And oh, see, I have an image of myself, you know, like a Bond girl gliding seamlessly onto the beach. I know that wouldn't happen. I know that it would be a full face plant and a face full of sand, but I'm going to go with the image that I've got. No, I really <laughs> and I'm like going to stick with that analogy. one. It's interesting, actually. My last newsletter I wrote a, few, um, a couple of months ago, very sporadic at the moment, I think one, it was entitled something like um, Hanging on to the Surfboard, because I remember as I wrote it, I felt like mm-hmm. I was in this sort of wave. So it's interesting you mentioned that. Uh, and I was just about clinging onto the surfboard. I felt like I wasn't surfing yet. I wasn't even on properly on the surfboard, let alone standing up. But at the time I wrote it, I felt like I was, you know, just on top of the wave, not sinking anymore. Yeah. So, love a good analogy. Cool. Okay, I've got one last question. Oh, brilliant. We can both, okay. both be surfing together one day. Um, right. You ready oh for my last God. question? I, I would be full of sand. Yes, go for it. I've never managed to surf. So, okay, this is nothing to do. This is more sort of a technical question, I suppose. As a facilitator, I've got lots of kind of go-to okay. tools I use. So, for example, I have a questioning process I really like, which is called ORID, where you go through objective, reflective, interpretive, and decisional questions. Uh, I like doing. Uh, I have a consensus Ooh. building process I use to help people come up with a consensus. And I've got a variety of, let's say, brainstorming tools I use, and I try and tell people to stop doing the whole shout at the flip chart thing because that's not a very good method. Uh, as a coach, what are your kind of go-to tools that you like to use? <laughs> Do you have Ooh, some? Maybe I, I, have, know, I have, have so many. Yeah. Well, there's just there's so many different. Sorry. Did you say top five? I'm mirrored. I've realised on the wrong side, but anyway. There's, there's so there's so many frameworks within coaching, and I think the the for me the beauty of what I do in in working with lots of different people with different things is that um, I get to use different tools, different frameworks with different people because, firstly, the challenges that they're working through are very 
very different. And then secondly, the people who are working through them are very different and need something different. Um, so I oh, I, that's such a good question. Um, I don't know that they are, it's really difficult because a lot of them probably have names for them, but they're not necessarily names that I would use. So, um, so you know that I have done the NLP Master Practitioner, but I've also done CBT, some positive psychology type work. I've also got the work that I did when I was with the police, which was much more sort of corporate executive coaching and mentoring. So in terms of what's in the toolbox, there's quite a lot in there. Um, I think this may not answer your question, but I, it may also answer the question is that I, my, it probably it's more where the focus is. Um, so it's things like working, making sure that I'm working with the person and I'm, the focus is on helping the person and not focusing on the problem. So you're coaching the person, not coaching the problem. So you're coaching the person because it's not a bit like with you, with the facilitation, I don't have, I have an invest, an invested interest in, in the person that I'm working with. Um, but I don't necessarily have an invested interest in what the outcome is. So what they choose to do and how they choose to deal with it, um, my my role within that, which might be the second one, is to be the guide and they're the explorer. So I really like that analogy of I sort of helping keeping them safe and on track and different analogies you can use around that but they are exploring their world their life what's important to them and choosing what path they want to take yeah. so again that's probably not it is a tool but it's, it's probably more kind of that framework yeah um again i think probably i probably kind of have some kind of questions that i seem to ask over and over again because it helps people with focus so for me it's focusing on the person and not the problem so that's the reminder for me is to make sure that the conversations around them and what they want rather than working through the problem because then you're helping people with the their internal resources so their skills their tools their character to manage not just the problem that they're talking about at the moment but future problems as well so if we can focus on that it's unlocking sometimes things that and they do it they are there it's just sometimes for people it's been a bit dormant for a while while they've yeah. been focusing on other things so it's kind of untapped their own resources so um okay focus on the person not the problem um what was the second thing i just said i'm going around in circles on this one well, it's um, just interesting i've just I caught think... on the problem not person thing or person not problem thing i think possibly facilitation is the other way around it's i focus on the problem and I involve the person, obviously, and I yeah. focus on so making sure the person. Yeah, but I focus a bit more probably on the outcome, and that I hadn't really made that connection before yeah. you mentioned it. So that's really interesting. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, I think that another question um, that I probably ask quite a lot is, okay, what what do you want? What do you want instead? So bringing them out of that um, talking about the problem and get them to start talking about potential solutions and alternatives and different things that they could do and different consequences that might happen as a result of that. Um, so I think that's three. Um, one I learned really recently was um, she called it like a traffic light technique. So uh, it's not a technique, but more of a framework. 
Um, and um, uh, it's a, a coach called Laurie Shook. Um, she's American, but she she called it it's like a traffic light. So you get you you work through with the person and get you ask them different questions, and they tell you whether they um, that's a stop, pause, or a go. Um, around certain elements of things that they're working through, which is a very visual. So if you're working with somebody who's very visual, that's a great framework to you. So um, the thing that you described where you take them through different types of questions. So you take them through the different types of questions, but what they're answering is stop, pause, as in mm, yeah, it's something I might consider, but not right now, and then go, yeah, let's, let, you know, you can see that they like, yeah, let's do, I want to do that. Let me try that. And then there's other things that, no, that's definitely not what I want to do. And there's other things that, okay, that might work, but not right now. So that traffic light framework has been really, um, I think, really interesting. Um, so that's four. Um, I think also just getting people to th that visualization of, okay, let's, we, we know how things are now, so it's that present state, but getting them to really sit and talk through the future state. And I think just sometimes giving people like you do with facilitation, giving people that space, but just giving people that time to think about what might be possible, but really start to imagine it and see that it is possible because until somebody gets to that stage where they see that it, it could happen and they start to see that it might help it to happen, that, you know, you have to be able to believe, it's that see it, believe it, achieve it, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That until I'm not, I can do all of the cheerleading in the world of encouragement and support and guidance, but unless that individual really starts to believe it themselves, it's still just conversation isn't it so for that visualization of okay what will be different when you achieve this what will be different when you've done this what will feel different what will what will the people around you um be like what will you know what will your days your days look like what what will be different for you um and just really get them to step into that and, and see that it's and feel that it's possible i think you know a lot of what we do is very much up here. Um, mm. And I think visualization really gives people a chance to kind of sit down and go, okay, what feel what feels different? If I was to get that job or if I was to um, change my health and well-being, if I was to take some time out for self-care or, or find that balance a lot better, what would feel different? Not just, so it's not just a, smart objective it's something that they can really picture that looks and feels different and what else is different around them um, and I think that's probably just and until until we've got till that individual has got themselves to a place where they feel it's possible it's it's very difficult for them to want to take that step forward because they're taking a step into an unknown whereas visualization starts to give them something to step into. Mm. I'm not sure that answered your question, but I'm, no, but I'm also not sure it's quite as tangible as in terms of techniques and frameworks. And, and there's just so many as well. And it's yeah, just think... being able to go into the toolbox and, and find the, you know, different things for different people and different things that they're working through. And there's, there's some things that 
I have used with a lot of people. And there's there's some techniques that I've only used with one or two people over five years. So yeah, yeah. it's uh, one of those toolboxes. It's hard to get the lid down, but there's some there is some good stuff. I think it's interesting just listening to you talk about it actually how obviously what you do is very intuitive and you don't necessarily I, I guess you don't design a kind yeah. of this is how this session's going to be mm-hmm. which is that's how I do yeah. my work I, although I deviate and move and flex I will have some sort of you know session plan let's say a process to follow uh, whereas I guess from mm-hmm. just listening to you you obviously you're much more intuitive and much more you know you respond to the your client in a whatever they need kind of way so yeah. um yeah i can understand why it's not as you know <laughs> this tool then this tool then this yeah, tool then. I mean, you, you've got you've got things like the grow model you know that a lot of coaches will will use but i, I think yeah, I just yeah. for me it's it's yeah i think and there are different coaching models um but i think you i think you've you've kind of nailed it really in that sort of intuitive of what what do they what do they need i mean i love working you know we talked about analogies and um different metaphors i love working with analogies and metaphors because it for for the individual especially if it's something that's been quite traumatic or quite difficult for them we can talk through analogies and metaphors and they never they don't have to talk about the problem itself but I can still get an understanding for what that feels like for them. So when you then work with the metaphors, and I've, I've done a full hours coaching session with somebody who didn't tell me what it was and we had this and this, and we spent the whole hour moving this and this around, wow. playing about with it and changing it. And I have no idea to this day what this is or what that was. But it meant they it meant something to them. They described to me what it felt like. They described to me what that was like for them, what felt different for them when they moved it until we got to a place where, you know, the the person said, that's it. That's that's what I want. And I was like, that's great. I have no idea. I have no idea. But it's not again, it's not it's not about me problem solving. It's about me supporting them to solve the problem in a way that works for them that makes sense yeah no it does make sense it's really interesting because I've never really sort of well I've never asked that question before I've never thought about it but I think that's really interesting still no idea still no idea but um yeah (laughs) interesting yeah we have not that was your last question wasn't it it was have, have been so focused on answering I've not checked the comments so um so um charlotte um i'm going to come back to you individually if that's okay just on the comment that you have made um and if uh charlotte actually in terms of what you've written if there's anything that i can help with please feel free to um contact um so jenny has talked about um for parents, it's the extra challenge of flipping between parent and professional identity um, to the extent. Yeah, parents have done amazingly over the last couple of months and grandparents, too. But also, I think when you're used to having that support network, mm. um, I think that's been the real challenge, hasn't it? And not just for parents who would normally reach out to the support network, but for the support network who've not been able to reach out and help. Definitely. You know, so I, 
and I can talk about, you know, uh, my my mum and stepdad in that, in that I know that they desperately missed, you know, looking after their grandchildren and being a part of their, you know, their day to day lives. That's been a real, real challenge for them. So I think it's kind of a two two sided coin, really. There's been the the challenge for parents not having that support network there and being able to still do what needs to be done, but also for the grandparents who and others um, who've not who've who've kind of had that taken away, really, haven't they? But hopefully, now that we've got bubbles, such a great yeah. word. <laughs> now we're now we're bringing bubbles together. Um, hopefully, that that will help. Um, okay, so um, Ashtrek, thank you. Good to see you. Um, and um, Charlotte's in traffic lights is good at helping people. Yeah, it's just a very visual and it, it doesn't need a, a long answer. You just ask them the question and they say red, amber, green, and you make a note of it. And it just it's kind of that quick fire. Get out of your head. Just let's just fire off the answers of not overthinking it, of just kind of that. Again, probably just helping that intuitive response come through. Um, yeah, yeah, I think there's lots of people that are very happy to see grandparents again and I think probably lots of very happy grandparents too thank you so much that. thank you which is probably just as well seeing as I've got quite a few people in <laughs> and we got through I the technical it. so I know for next time don't try and do it on Facebook just go straight to straight to this and um get cracking but thank you so much great questions thank you for having great me questions. I enjoyed it Good to see you. Right. Enjoy the rest of your day. And thank you, everybody who tuned in. I will Bye. see you all very soon. Bye. Wait a minute. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe.